Hey, Katrine, welcome to the show. Hello, happy to be here. Great to have you here. We we both got the vest memo today. It was chilly. It's just it works. Oh, I was just trying out to see if I could pull off the VC look. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we don't we don't have many people that look like that here in South Dakota. So I was like, yeah, why not? We'll we'll give it a shot. Um, well, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think we'll have an opportunity to kind of talk about things that maybe seem futuristic but aren't as futuristic as they seem. Is that a good way to put it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got Katrine Maki. She's co-founder of a company called Swift Cities, and they're working to transform urban real estate by bringing better mobility. Is that is that a good way Absolutely. to to put yeah. that? Um, they've got a really interesting, some interesting concepts and ideas, and we're going to unpack that um, eventually here. But I want to start with this because we, we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show. Is Swift Cities prop tech and why? And so there's a little bit to break down there, and I've struggled with it as well as we're pitching. Like, is are we a good thesis fit, you know, as I look up the VC companies? We are prop tech in the sense that we change real estate and we affect real estate. However, our customers are often sometimes the municipality and ideally our early customers are going to be private developers. So it's a little bit different in the sense that the customer isn't consumer directly. Um, and it's, it's um, I want to say it's complicated, but my job is to make you think it's really simple. But it's usually... Uh, a multi-stakeholder situation, right? So you're going to have your private developer that has a problem. They want to better connect their property. And you mm -hmm. have a city that they're within, so they need to be getting the permits and the right-of-way. So you almost always have your stakeholder, which we'll call the customer, mm -hmm. and the municipality you're working in. So we're prop tech in the sense that we completely change connectivity for a city, for a developer. Um, and by increasing connectivity, we believe we increase value. Now, I just saw in the news today, and I'm going to date this episode a little bit with this, that, uh, and I, I'm not going to put, everyone can look it up, but one of those famous scooter companies that was going to transform urban mobility in last mile just filed for bankruptcy. And so, you know, this idea of like making cities more mobile, reducing cars on the roads, it's not, it's not a new idea, right? I mean, this yeah. is, people have been talking about this, but we haven't found a solution really, I think, to like get adopted across the board and really drive meaningful change. Why do you think there's just, and it's probably a complicated, very layered <laughs> Yeah, question. I think I'll start with like, I don't know that there's winners and losers, right? I think that a successful city, and I, I come from a background of urban planning and transportation mm. planning. So I'm always kind of thinking about that ecosystem within a city. And there aren't wizard, winners and looters in the sense that my ideal city, you've got 20 options to pick from how I'm going to get from point A to point B in a city. Like ideally, mm -hmm. I've got a successful scooter company. I've got transit. I've got walking. I've got biking. Because when those, when you have a layered option, you, you have resilience. And so one thing isn't working great today, but you've got four other options that will help that out. Or short trip, long trip, elderly with children, young, mobile all of those things, you need layers. Um, and so, yeah. but in, beyond that, you need a good business plan too. 
<laughs> I don't want to judge companies I don't understand very well, but I think that that's somehow you we get the winners and losers. And so you've got to find a customer with a problem and money to pay for it. And literally our team was talking about it today of creating that perfect slide that shows that cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to make that business case. A city, especially as we're new technology now, a city shouldn't with taxpayer money and take that risk when it's unproven, right? That's mm-hmm. just, and so we have to show that this is reasonable um, and, and it makes sense from a business sense of, and it, right now, when you put in an elevator, I love this example, you put an elevator in the building, no one questions it. No one says this futuristic technology you're putting in, <laughs> but they, at some point they were right way back when. And yeah. you've got to de-risk it and you have to have it make sense. It, you know, you don't put an elevator, you have to for ADA reasons, but someday it's going to make sense and it's not going to be new and transformative. It, it'll always be transformative, but it won't blow your mind in the way that you're just like, oh, Jetsons, I don't know, this isn't how we work, <laughs> right? Because that happens. We talk to cities and they're just like, show us this, get this built first. And that makes perfect sense. It is, it is remarkable. I mean, I love looking at photos of old cities. Uh, so uh, Facebook's algorithm knows me pretty well and it serves me up like historical South Dakota photos and I'll get photos of like Deadwood and like the early 1900s and like these abandoned mining towns. And if you just squint a little bit, they don't look much different. Like there's a lot more people walking, which yeah. of course, early 1900s, but they're only walking because no one gave them a car. If we're being honest here, you know, they don't look all that much different. So I can understand the city perspective is like, well, we know this kind of works, even though it's not perfect and, and afraid to adjust. But at some point, you know, we made the leap to cars and it definitely had benefits. And I think yeah. in some places maybe we're beyond that capacity. So, but I want let, let's get into the specifics here because people are going to wonder, okay, what is Swift Cities? What are you guys creating? What are you building? Like, can you break it down for me and, and describe to what the vision is? So we are aerial. We're in the air. Um, and it's a pod that travels along a cableway. So without graphics, the best is for you to picture a gondola. Although now I'm going to debunk it because it's not actually like a gondola <laughs> in the sense that the top of our pod has a trolley and the trolley drives itself along your cable or rail. So... The line that you picture in a traditional gondola is is moving on a ski slope. Our lines are static. They don't move. They stay in one spot. So we have the support poles and a static line, and our, our trolley drives itself along that line. Because of all that premise, this trolley can switch between the, the cable and a rail, and you can bend rail. So the rail helps it turn a corner. So a traditional gondola, if it needs to turn on your mountain, it has to go to something called a turning station, um, which basically creates kind of a, a link in your, your moving mm-hmm. things. And it's very expensive. This turning, these, these stations have to hold tension on this wire that moves. We just put it onto a piece of metal. The metal's bent, and it turns a corner. So suddenly, if you're a city and you're, and you're putting in a, a traditional gondola, you've got to pick a straight line, line between point A to point B. If you're planning out a SWIFT system, you've got a network and you can have your stations in a, a grid. Um, and therefore, you have a lot more options in how you can move people around. 
and then your ride, you're not stuck riding behind the car in front of you. Your mm-hmm. pod will route you along the, the network to from your origin to your destination directly. So your user experience, instead of saying we're like a gondola, because it's not like riding on a gondola to ski slope, it's closer to an Uber in the air. And, and, and so, of course, all the links are on the website, and we'll talk about the links at the end. But if you just go to SwiftCities.com, you can see a, a really awesome visual describing this. And, you know, from my time living in Chicago, I – and when we, we had – well, I talked with your colleague in pre-show, you know, I was immediately thinking about the L train and, like, areas of, like – I was like, this massive – large steel structures over the road. It's horribly loud. It's incredibly filthy. And, and then I was looking at this, I was like, this is way more elegant. <laughs> I was it like, is. this would have been so much. And honestly, if you could think about like riding a, 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 a for the sake of this, a pod or a gondola, like a down and around Chicago, like even if I had nowhere to go, I don't know. Absolutely. It kind of yeah. sounds like fun. Yeah. I've been on the train. You do it at the state fair, right? A lot of people will ride a gondola at the state fair. It's it's pleasant. Along with like a ferry. I think a ferry is another example of a a ride that people are excited to do just for the experience. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we did the river taxi once. Uh, and when that was enough, it wasn't, it, it wasn't efficient. No, no, no. (laughs) ours will actually be efficient, but it will be an experience. That's, that's for sure. Um, So one thing that's really fascinating to me is it's, uh, you have a concept that really is approaching a massive problem. It's a significant leap from what's in play today, but it in- incorporates its own set of challenges with physical infrastructure, as well as there's got to be some level of intelligence and software to drive the systems to make sure that they're efficient. How do you balance the between tackling all of these challenges at once to bring together a cohesive product? The beautiful thing is that we are partnered with a, a, a Home Solutions, who is our technical partner. They have built, um, if you go to their website, you'll see it called Woosh, and it's the same product we show on our website. Um, so we have partnered with a hardware partner that handles that side of things. And we have hired um, on our team a software partner, or software staff, um, Craig Talbot. And that maybe was um, the recent announcement you heard about was um, the hiring. That's a pretty recent hire. Um, and he comes from Lockheed Martin, and he has a background of putting satellites into space. And so it's great because he's like, yeah, I'm working with a lot more variables. Like, this is actually a very sm- simple problem to solve in terms of routing <laughs> these pods on a fixed network versus all the variables of taking a satellite to space. And his kids get to ride it. They don't They don't get to ride to space. So he's really How, how often does a rocket scientist type joke get dropped? Not yet, but we'll get there. Um <laughs> The, the first analogy, though, is we've been telling him um, we need to iterate. And, and that may have not been the same when you're iterating with people in space, but we need to develop this software. Um, and the premise is a little bit different, right? We need to be moving quickly and thinking. So, so what he's going to do is write the software that tells the pods where to go, mm-hmm. um, how to reroute, how to rebalance, and... That and, and that's his side. And then I come from the background of planning. So I've been looking in the sales and the marketing aspect of the business of understanding how cities work, understanding um, how those decision making processes go, the ability to write a feasibility study um, and 
working with the municipalities to meet them where they are and mm-hmm. answer their questions intelligently. I think that's really helpful to make that leap to the the customer feeling like they have confidence um, in what we're selling them and the story we're telling. Very cool. Um, and and then I, I guess one thing that um, I was, you know, as I keep thinking about this is like, so in some cities, you know, you might get uh, different incentives for builders, right? And they, they maybe they get an incentive to not put in parking or put in parking or certain buildings or that sort of thing. And some cities have also been enacting, you know, more progressive decarbonization um, requirements and policies. Where are cities at with their policy making on the infrastructure of, you know, how they're building and progressing? Like, how, how do they respond when they see what you guys have envisioned for the future of travel and getting around downtown using pods and an overhead cable system? From a policy standpoint, just like from a permitting point, we're not mm-hmm. that different than uh, the telecom that you would be putting up poles and cables. Um, so there's not, they're not, it's not like they're behind in that regard in terms, and also just like safety certification. We can, there's existing cableway certification standards and mm-hmm. people mover certification standards that exist. So we're actually not that far behind. It's been great. We've pitched to a couple of VCs that really help with lobbying and they're like, sorry, you don't have any problems for us to solve. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's good news. Um, I think what's new to them is the procurement. That That's what's different. And so we've been working with partners, Plenary and Flatiron, they're either construction partner or finance partner. And coming to the city and teaching them about a P3, which is a public-private partnership, is, is a method for project delivery that... Typically, I think in the past, you saw more around giant projects, like uh, something like a, putting in a tollway or building something in an airport and that kind of thing. And in, and in dollar amount, we're way smaller than that. And so it's kind of new to cross a lot of these people's desks to think about, um, because, you know, when you're putting in bike lanes or you're adding a transit system, mm-hmm. um, like a streetcar or something like that. It's not always, I think, a P3 and it's procured. There's several vendors. And so they can kind of give it to the, they can put out a traditional RFP and that kind of thing. Right. There's not several SWIFTs out there. Um, so the procurement method. That's good news method, for you. Yeah, so far. <laughs> Double-edged sword, right? Like we're the only ones. So you can't verify this against anything. But um, mm. anyway, so that, that would be the part where that there's some education for us to do. Uh, to working with the cities of, of how to work through those early steps. Got it. Uh, I want to shift here a little bit. We kind of touched on a little bit earlier about having multiple modes and, and ways of getting around a city. In pre-show, I was discussing with you a tweet I saw that described driverless cars could just make everything better and far less inconvenient. You know, think about like you get just get into the car from work and you have a sandwich or you can continue on your conference call uh, and, and while I see that being some sort of solution, like maybe it's just in time pickup, so they're never parking. Right. But maybe that's still more, that's still cars on the road. Like how does, how does stuff like that, which seems to be pretty far along or at least closer? I don't, I don't know. I thought we were supposed to have driverless car, but like exactly. a, lot, yeah. a lot more by now. <laughs> 
closer I am not picking mode. on anybody yeah. for not yeah, having right. figured like that out. Like I said, out. we're all winners. We all <laughs> solve the problem together. But, like, but how, how does all that, how do you get that to coincide or work together? Uh, I don't see them against each other, but how does that all mesh or play together? And, and maybe there's other modes and, you know, different modes that we haven't considered or, or discussed yet that have to come and fit into the picture later. Like how does it all work together? Yeah, I think there's a, a readiness level, first of all, that there are some things like a, a driverless car or the EVTOL air flight thing that from a, from a safety standards, I don't think we've got it all figured out. Um, and so for a customer that you know we've been talking to, they're looking at future events. Like, can we have something ready by the Olympics? Can we have something ready by the World Cup? Like, I have a new development. It's going to come online in two years. I can't. I'm not going to put all my eggs in the EV2L basket because it's too far away. Mm-hmm. Or I have one landing pad and I need to disperse people from that. So I can't have just one solution. I think that's the key is not ever trying to think about one fix. It's a layered approach with several options for different distances and trip types. Um, I'm losing the, or- the, the train of thought. So uh, it then and then, so you're asking about all these, there's implications of these choices. I don't think we need to go there in terms of, I think certain modes might, if you're not spending your brain thinking about Mm -hmm. navigation and safety and you're relaxed on your ride, you could be working. I think there's advantages there. Um, With driverless cars, you still have a lot of cars on the road. I think with something like transit, we're above the road. We're not adding to that congestion. So I think as each person thinks about the problem they want to solve. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this is my advice to cities or, or developers, that kind of thing is like, make sure you're, you're solving your problem and not, not actually creating more future problems. And so in the cases of a lot of our customers, there's no more, it's the roads are congested. So a driverless car is stuck in the same traffic and we want someone to have a shorter, shorter trip. So it just doesn't solve the problem. And along the lines of the L in, in Chicago, thinking about noise and vibration, a lot of people, Look at us because you thought, oh, this is so light. There's so many phone calls that were interrupted when I was at Avail. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I could hit the L with a stone out yeah. our window. So and it was people just like still every see day. Swift, though. They see, so they see our website and they're like, oh, the visual impact of that. And I was like, compared to what? Like, yes, compared to nothing. Yes, there is a visual impact. But when you compare it to a rumbling train or the L or the lesser of the evils, you know, and, and a lot of far. people ask us about that theoretically of, how do you handle that? And I said, you know, we're coming in and we're solving a problem for a city. We're, we're not trying to disrupt or interrupt with the city. We're not showing up throwing scooters on the corner. We can't, you know, we're too baked into the city infrastructure. We don't get to be disruptors that way. But the city is coming to us with a problem. They're saying mm-hmm. we have a multi-use, cool urban core here and here. And in between those is a highway. I want them to connect, but I, I can't build a pedestrian walkway far enough. It's that doesn't, you know what I mean? So the cities are coming with problems and they don't have a way to solve it. And so we're not getting that pushback of, oh, it's too loud or it's not going to look nice because they're saying, oh, thank you. You created something that meets the bottom line on a performa from a business sense. Mm-hmm. We don't have to build as much parking. No one wanted that anyways. You're solving a problem for us. Thank you. Yeah. I, I honestly was thinking like, and maybe these are like my vision here is too small. Cause obviously I'm, I don't know it as well as you do, but I mean, I remember the first time I went to, uh, 
an NFL game in Washington, D.C., and it was like a mile and a half walk from the parking lot. Now, this is before I took up the sport of running. So at the time, it was so far. Totally. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so far. And it's yeah. just like, you know, getting to and from, if you were taking, whether you were taking the train or parking, I mean, it was just such a long walk. And you think about like all the people like trying to funnel in and funnel out. And the more options we have to funnel out or funnel in, I mean, this is something that's like, well, this, that, that would be such a no brainer. And that would have been way more cool uh, to take that versus um, the, the, the long, what felt like in, in infinite walk uh, into the stadium. We used the example Chicago. And I think that's a, a really concrete example. But what about for smaller cities? Like the biggest city near me is Rapid City. It's 75,000 people which is not that big, I realize. And, you know, it's I, I don't think it's considered a secondary city. I think it's probably still considered tertiary, although I don't really know. What, what about the applications for areas like this? Like, is there enough density to make it worthwhile for solutions like this? Or is that just something that's really reserved for core major cities like Chicago or New York or... You know, those I lines. come from a small town in Wisconsin, so I have like a soft spot, like the little guys need mm. an answer. And I think, I think you know, it, it, got, it comes down to that business plan. Like you said, the scooter plan of filing for bankruptcy, it comes down to like, can we make a cost analysis that makes sense? Is there a development that wants to come in and develop and we can tell them you don't need to build your parking structure? Because if they can save all that money in that parking structure, they can, they can take that money and put it into Swift and, and change their development right but you you do need enough that it needs to make a difference right it needs to if there is a, a circulator right now downtown that it, there's enough density and enough reasons to connect enough places i could i could see that just it, you know mm-hmm. i think it, it it depends and again it's whose problem are you solving it, it, it can the city write a grant is there an underserved population you know those are all the different pieces you pull together to ask if it makes sense yeah. um but it's cheaper than light rail and so it just it's it's but it's not cheaper than a bus so it's it's up to that city to look at that cost benefit analysis and think about the resources they're putting into things or just what their demand is is it worthwhile yeah yeah i mean uh, I, I certainly could envision it, but uh, the the call side, I imagine that's got to be pretty difficult to kind of figure all that out. Uh, but that's something that you guys also do with builders. Like uh, you yes, help absolutely. run those analysis and uh, some of those feasibilities to even figure out, you know, what that's going to look like. From the the discussions you've had and talking with developers, have you seen a difference from geography, like? certain areas people are more they take to it like is it west coast east coast or is it outside the u.s where this idea of you know kind of above the street elevated travel is really catching on and people are like hey we want to go further into this study or is it equal reactions across the board it's not what you would expect um i'm often pleasantly surprised i think there's a common thread of if anyone um is in an area with a ski resort they have a comfort level with gondolas and just overhead infrastructure. So that helps for sure. Um, In California, they immediately add two years to the project timeline. 
because it takes a long time for things to get permitted and go through it. And so we just, it's hard to talk about moving quickly in California. In Texas, of all places, I, I lived in Texas, really excited about new infrastructure, absolutely open-minded about it being different and new. And, you know, Texas isn't a state that has a bunch of ski, ski gondolas, but there's, that has been one of the most friendly states and friendly places to work and it's not what you would come to mind, right? That's what I'm saying. We've been surprised. No. We don't know for sure where it comes I, from. I honestly would have just assumed California would have, uh, yeah, I understand the permitting bit, but I would assume like the, some of the climate uh, initiatives or more progressive policies, I thought I would have assumed that that would have been further at the forefront versus uh, a ski town or, you know, And And uh, some of Texas. that is coming internal from Swift. I had the background of living in Texas and we know better. We've, we've worked in this world before of building infrastructure projects, and we know it's going to take a long time in California. So we weren't mm -hmm. necessarily knocking on doors as much as we knew that in Texas, things were going to move a little bit faster. And therefore, it makes business sense to pursue the projects that are going to happen quickly right now while we're getting started. And we just want to prove this out. We don't want a long process that takes extra time for with more mm -hmm. hurdles to jump through, which make perfect sense for not you know, beating California up for having environmental protections. But... Um, if we can pick a place that will make it easier for us, that makes sense when you're getting started as a new company. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way where maybe you had some assumptions that turned out to not be true? We assumed that we had this very clear plan that private developers are the place to start, that they can move quickly, they can make a decision, and they're making that trade-off on the pro forma of saying, okay, I won't build my parking structure. I'll put Swift in instead. And this is just a clean, tidy project. We've been surprised that, that in working with some of the Texas municipalities that they can move a lot faster than we thought. And we were kind of discounting that as an early, fast-moving potential. So just some areas might be surprised at how much more willing they are in accepting this. And that might be a lesson that, that Any, genuinely... Not just Texas, but yeah, that you don't have to... If the city is motivated and has a problem to solve... Hmm. things things can uh, it doesn't have to be a, a slow project just because it's a municipality that's i mean that's almost verbatim exactly how like i, I build my marketing programs like we we just solve problems i mean that's i i boil it down to that and and sometimes i i, I do it and i with the caveat i was like look I, I might sound like the worst marketer in the world or the most boring because I'm just not super out there or creative. Like I'm not going to hit you with a Geico commercial. I just solve problems. People have a problem, press on the pain, give them a solution that matches the cost of the problem to solve it for. Absolutely. And they will say, take my money all day. And it's just, it's what makes sense too. I mean, we even have cities that say, this is cool. Let's talk. And I'm my first question, I'm, I'm reading their transportation plan in the background because I'm a nerd, <laughs> but I say, what problem can we solve for you? That's literally the first question we ask, because I don't want to build this just because it looks cool. Because in the end, it, it needs to make dollars and cents sense. It needs mm -hmm. to fix a problem for the city. You're going to, you're going to run into problems further down the road if you're not actually solving a problem. <laughs> And then maybe this is too far into the minutia, but like, is it something that customers would pay on a per ride? Would they have a subscription? Yeah, would there those be are all billboards options. And it could be free. It could be free. Like, a, you know, the early systems is just simpler. And, you know, some of our customers are like, it's going to be hard enough to get them to ride transit. We want it to be free. Um, and it's just an asset. So the, you know, in some cases that private developer knows that they're going to get more per square foot when they lease their space. Mm -hmm. And so they build it in that way. Um, but 
in the public, yeah, it, it'll be similar to a, a transit fair. Um, but also, like, as you said earlier, it could be kind of like a entertainment ride. Um, technology makes this all possible, or you can differentiate tourist or local. I mean, we can figure out all kinds of different ways with an app to have different fairs. But yeah, but yeah I think there definitely is a fair box aspect to it. If, if I can make a, a product request... <laughs> So, so in We're Chicago, ready. they put, they put the Christmas lights on the train. Yeah. But I, I, you know, if you got like at least one or two of those like strip led lights that you can build into the exterior of the pods, I just think different seasons and times of year, that'd be kind of cool totally. at nighttime. Those just prowling around and they got their little leds, uh, uh, lighting them up. I, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, as an advertisement. The, so you can pay for the LEDs and we'll do whatever you need. If, right? There it is. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll submit to the budget for, for, uh, 25 cause we're already set for next year, but we'll, we'll see how we could pull that together. All right. Well, Katrine, I'm going to jump to the final segment. This is really, this is a segment for you. This is called for the future for the future. When I ask each guest to come on the show, to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Are you ready to play? All right. Yes. All right. First one here, excuse me. What does Swift cities look like one year from now? One year from now we've, we're flying people to New Zealand to ride the system. So there'll be Bam. a first one built and people, the public taking, taking rides, hopefully, or at least watching them travel around and soon to throw the public up there, have them take a first ride. Very cool. Question number two, and this is less of a prediction, but more preference, I suppose. What city would you like to build out one of these Swift Cities systems in most? I'm in Menlo Park right now in, in, in California. And, uh, you know, of course you want it in your backyard. I want to take my kids to school on this. Um, but Bigger picture, I think we the Caltrain runs north-south along the peninsula south of San Francisco. And to extend that trunk line train to have this webbing into the community so that we bring more riders to the, the main north-south connection, but we provide more access east-west so that you don't just have to live within one or two miles of Caltrain to really absorb those benefits oh, of using yeah. this really great asset. Um, that's a very... Quick response, very personal, just because I would get to ride it. I don't blame you. Yep. It's good that you want to use your own product. So I salute you on that. All right, number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Mm. Building parking ramps? Or at least let's just, one more detail. Building parking ramps as just like default. I think there's a future of building the parking ramps that we th- will design the ability for them to convert to something else. that That's cool. But I would love to just stop putting in concrete to park cars because it just seems like a wasted asset. And yet we all know it in theory, <laughs> but in practice, they're still getting built because no one wants to be the first one to stop doing it, I think. Yeah, I think we just put, put in more parking downtown Rapid City. <laughs> It's not an easy thing to stop doing because I I, I still, even when I make my choices where I'm going to go, I'm thinking, is it easy for me to park there? And I know better, but it's a very big reality of moving around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I feel that on the weekends I, I spend time hours running 
but yet still when I go places, I'm like, if it's a house, I don't want to go. I just don't want to walk across that entire parking lot and cross it. You know, I give up. That's it. I'll just go without. All right. The final one on for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Hmm. Do I think, or I want to, I think we could go back to that parking, right? Let's... Well, you can you can say what I mean. The question yeah. is, which would you believe? But believe uh, I, fade away. I'm not really the I'm not the police here. I can't I, what tell I you believe what to do. will happen is that we'll have more options. I I do strongly believe that, and I, and it, that dates back to my pre Swift days when I was a bicycle planner and bicycle advocate and even pedestrian advocate for a while. It was just saying we need more options. Mm-hmm. When I leave to leave in the morning to take my kids to school, I can drive them. And I can bike them maybe if I'm really brave. I have three children under the age of six. So it's right now I basically have one option, bringing them to school. I believe in the future we will have more options one way or the other. The, the way technology is advancing, self-driving cars, scooters, just all of those layers. So many cities are making it easier to bike and walk. Um, it's mm-hmm. all coming together to provide people more options, which is great. Katrine, this was a really fun conversation. Um, thank you for pulling us out and away from the automated door locks of the world to talk <laughs> about the future of infrastructure <laughs> in our cities and what is possible. Uh, for those who want to get in touch with you and or learn more about Swift Cities, where do they go and how do they do that? Uh, the best, the simplest way for me to describe it is go to our website. And I believe in our website, there's an info at Swift Cities email address there that will come to me. It routes directly through me and a couple other people. So we all see it. And that would be a very quick way to get a hold of us. Very cool. And yeah, I, I do recommend you check out the site uh, to, to get a better visual here. This is a, a difficult thing, I think, to explain just audio. Uh, but when you see it, I think you'll get it. You'll see the vision. But uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we'll be looking to see how you guys do. And uh, do send me the announcement when you go live in Menlo Park. Awesome. we Will do. Thank you.